This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, January 28th, 2018. Shore up armor. And so today we finish our Shore Up series. We've been looking into the book of Ephesians from the New Testament, second part of the Bible, and how Paul, the Apostle Paul, the author, gives us insight into shoring up against the challenges of the culture we live in, shoring up against the challenges of Satan himself. So we've been looking at shoring up through unity in the body of Christ, unity with our fellow believers. We've looked at shoring up through righteous living. We looked at shoring up our relationships with our families. And today we're looking at shoring up with the protection of the armor of God. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, we thank you so much for today, an opportunity to uh, fellowship together, to uh, worship together, and to hear your word. And we know that the power of your word has um, just such a great way to touch each one of us right where we're at and to speak the message that we need to hear. And so open our hearts that we might be changed and transformed by your word found in scripture. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody agreed and said, amen. Amen. And so this book of Ephesians is actually a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, which is in ancient Greece. According to the NIV study Bible, Ephesus was the most important city and Western Asia Minor at the time, or what is now Turkey. Ephesus was a commercial trade center. It had a very diverse population as a result. Pagan religion was quite evident, including a temple dedicated to the Roman goddess Diana. There was deep interest in the magic and the occult, leading many Ephesians to believe that the supreme power in the world could come from a number of otherworldly sources. As a result, there were many social, cultural, and religious issues that the Ephesian Christians were dealing with, issues Paul had in mind when he wrote this letter. In the area that we live in, the northeastern quarter of the United States, it's also a commercial trade center. A lot goes on because of the water that um, is so close by. And so, like Ephesus, There's great diversity in this part of the country, resulting in social, political, cultural differences that challenge us, that divide us, and that um, help us uh, be so different or show us an awful lot of differences. We find this great diversity. Um, It results in a lot of religious differences, approaches, an understanding of the way we are, where we came from, where we're going, and who is in charge of this whole thing. It's an important and challenging place to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in today's lesson, Paul brings this letter to the Ephesians to conclusion, offering them a final suggestion for protection against the onslaught of the evil one. 
Finally, Paul writes, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. All right, so here's the deal. This is war, all-out war. We're in the battle of our lives. It's not a battle against people, against flesh and blood. It's a cosmic battle against the spiritual forces of evil, against the present darkness, against the prince of darkness, Satan himself and his minions. This is who the struggle is against, says Paul. Not an earthly battle, not a battle against nations and nations' armies, not even a struggle or a battle against um, person to person, against one another. This goes way, way beyond that. It's an absolute spiritual battle that we're talking about, and it's a war against an enemy that we cannot defeat on our own. Mm. Let me tell you what kind of battle we're in, because sometimes we think of battles as very... Uh, noticeable and easy to see, and sometimes Satan works uh, much, much less uh, overt, much more covert. On Wednesday night, we had our um, last of our three marriage in the marriage seminar series, and somewhere in what we were sharing that night, something from like 25 years was shared from 25 years ago, and Satan took that little nugget, nugget that uh, for me had been painful back when it happened, and occasionally uh, when I think about it, but that took that nugget, and it's just like a scab that you just keep picking and picking and picking until it finally bleeds again. And it caused me to lose some sleep, to get off of my game, and to just uh, cause me to uh, emotionally go places uh, that um, I had no reason to go. Brought pain, allowed it, I allowed that to happen. Brought some pain to carry as a result of me sharing some things. And the thing about it was very subtle. It was on me before I knew it, but I recognize, uh, before I recognized and was able to put up defenses, and I and Carrie both paid the price for that, because here's the thing. See, Satan knows our soft spots. I know he knows mine. I imagine he knows yours. He, he knows those emotional hot buttons. He knows those trigger points. You know what I'm talking about, Right? There's little things that'll just, mm, and then you start focusing and it just starts uh, irritating. And Satan plans to use that knowledge and does use that knowledge to our detriment and the detriment of those around us to bring pain, to bring sorrow, to steal, say it with me, steal, kill, and destroy. And make no mistake, it is a battle. It's a cosmic battle of epic proportions. When we go into this battle in our strength alone, we will lose. I'm going to say that again. When we go into this battle on our own, we 
will lose. Our only hope when we enter the battlefield is that God is on our side, as we sang at the beginning of the service. God's on our side. We can only win the battle when we're empowered by God, when we tap into the strength and operate in the power that is so great, the greatest power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul suggests as we put on, and I love this image, putting on the armor of God. In fact, he just doesn't say armor. He says the whole armor of God. That's how we're going to shore up against the enemy. You may have heard the expression, dress for success. Well, this is how we dress for success in the battle against the devil and the devil's schemes. We clothe ourselves in the full armor of God. Ephesians 6.13 Therefore take up the whole armor of God's so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Scholars generally believe that this letter to the church at Ephesus along with Letters to the churches at Philippi and Colossus, as well as a personal letter to a guy named Philemon. Scholars believe they were written by Paul while he was under house arrest in Rome, which meant that he wasn't in prison, but he was in a, a dwelling, but he was guarded by a soldier. He was permitted visitors, and, and he had the opportunity actually to share the gospel and write these letters to these churches. He was also literally chained. He was in chains for Christ, literally, as he shares in the letter to the church at Philippi. Now, they didn't have those ankle bracelets like they do now when you're on house arrest to keep track of where you're at. So instead, they assigned a Roman soldier to guard you, to watch you, to keep track that you weren't going anyplace. Guarded the prisoner around the clock. Now, this soldier would have been fully dressed for battle, wearing his complete armor. Time now, you know, there's different kinds of armor. You might think of one of those head-to-toe metal suits like the medieval armor. That's, that's not the kind of armor we're talking about here. This is more where, and you'll see, there's a metal plate here, there's a belt, there's a kind of, it almost looks like a skirt with leather for protection. There's a couple different shields, but one we're talking about here is a fairly large, a sword, a, one of those helmet, and uh, they may have like, um, it looked like uh, the uh, shin protectors that a catcher would wear, but the, the shoes were just basic sandals, you know, and they're strapped up the leg. You've probably seen pictures of that. Yeah. Um, so this guy stand there dressed like that, and, and so for two years, two years, Paul is looking at this armor-clad soldier as he's writing these letters to these churches. That's the image that he's got. In his letter to the Ephesian, these articles of protection, these articles of armor worn by the soldier then, which he's so obviously familiar with, they become a metaphor in his writing for the protection that we find in God. And so we're going to take Ephesians 6 verses 14 uh, through 17 and look at the different um, pieces of the protection. First, Verse 14, stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist. I think it's interesting that Paul picks the belt, a belt, to talk about first. I mean, really, a belt 
Well, according to freebiblestudyguides.org, <laughs> a belt plays a crucial role in the effectiveness of a soldier's arm armor. Think about it. The belt held the scabbard, the sheath that held the sword, so no belt, no scabbard, no sword, no victory in battle. In addition, Alan talked about the strips of leather that hung from the belt in order to protect the body. And also, when you think about a belt, it kind of holds things in place, doesn't it? So does truth. So does the truth of God, which is what the belt represents. Now, Satan is the master deceiver, the father of falsehood, of lies, and he whispers untruths to us constantly. And so if we're not clothed in this belt of truth, the truth of God, the truth of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are in trouble. Can I get an amen on that? Absolutely. Because Satan is so good at disguising these lies. And if we are not careful, if we're not on high alert, if we're not protected by the belt of God's truth, we will be deceived. And the evil one will get an upper hand in this cosmic battle that we find ourselves in. We must constantly seek, search, read, pray for God's truth in our lives and wear it as a belt of protection against the prince of darkness. And so where do we find this truth? Well, Jesus tells us. On his last night with his disciples, Jesus prays to God the Father for them. And this is what he prays to God the Father. Sanctify them, these disciples, in the truth. Your, say with me, your, your word, word is, is truth. truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. Bible is the source of all truth. In addition, 1 Thessalonians 5.21 tells us to test everything. Everything we're told, test it. Test it against what we read in Scripture. In other words, Satan is a great deceiver. Satan likes to uh, masquerade as the Holy Spirit. He's a spirit, but not the Holy Spirit. But he's very good at making us think that he is and uh, feeding us falsehoods. So we have to test it against what? Against the Scripture, against the Bible. And then we test it against our per personal experience with God. Is that the God that I know? Would God I know do that? Test it against what we know from tradition, from the tradition of the church. Why does the church do it this way? If that's what, well, maybe, maybe, maybe that's a falsehood from Satan. Test it against our reason of what we truly know of God. This four points is known as the Wesley Quadrilateral. Wesley, John Wesley was the founder of Methodism. He used these to check things out for theological reflection. First and foremost, always primary, is Scripture. That's our go-to. That's kind of the given. That's the first thing we would measure it against. But we also consider experience and, and the tradition of the church and, and our reason, our brain. The deceiver, the evil one, the liar, will work hard for us to believe his lies. And he's very good. 
And so this is a systematic way, this Wesley quadrilateral, a systematic way to check the truth, comparing what we hear against what we know of God to be true using this quadrilateral. And so after the belt, we are to put on the breastplate of righteousness. We actually talked about righteousness two weeks ago in our Shore Up series. And the breastplate, think about it, a central part of the Roman soldier's arm, armor, and it protected the soldier, uh, soldier's vital organs. I mean, really, if they were hurt here, it would be the heart and the lungs, and they would... Uh, it could be a fatal attack. Fatal. Righteousness is our breastplate, protecting us against what could be a fatal spiritual attack. Righteousness, right living. God is our plumb line. The word of God is our plumb line, not what's going on in the culture. We quoted um, a, something that we found in gotquestions.org two weeks ago, and we thought it bared repeating. The Bible's standard of human righteousness is God's own perfection in every attribute, every attitude, every behavior, and every word. We're in a battle with Satan, the great deceiver, and it's crucial that we strive for righteousness that we're faithful and we allow God to order our steps so that we can have Christ-like living. Verse 15. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. Oh, wow. Typical footwear for the Roman soldier was uh, basically a sandal, a, a layer of protection between the foot and whatever was being walked on, then the straps that strapped it up the leg there. And so the sandal, basic as it was, allowed the soldier to not be distracted by the debris underfoot. In this letter to the Ephesians, Paul tells them to put on whatever it takes to make them ready to proclaim this gospel of peace. Again, as freebiblestudyguides.org puts it, just as shoes allow us to walk on otherwise painful terrain without fear, so the preparation of the gospel of peace allows us to traverse the otherwise painful trials and tribulations of life without fear, knowing that what awaits is greater than anything we could possibly suffer in this world. Peace. Knowing that God is in control no matter what. It might not work out the way we think it should, but ultimately God is on the throne. We know that, and in that we can rest. And it doesn't allow, when we experience the peace, what happens in, in our daily life cannot rock us off that boat because we're standing on solid ground. And the evil one cannot interfere with what that peace that the Lord brings. Verse 16. With all these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Shield of faith. It's not one of those little round shields like Russell Crowe carries in the gladiator. Kind, you know, built for speed. 
go for hand-to-hand combat where you can be agile. No, no, this is a big honking shield. About three and a half by three, curved. It's got this uh, big metal knob in the center so that you could, while you're using it defensively, you could also use it offensively. It's good for protection, especially against those flaming arrows that the opposition, they dip them, they wrap them with some material, dip them in pitch, light them, boom! Man, you get hit with one of those babies, you know it. You want a shield that's going to protect you from those flames, protect the full body from the deadly flaming assault. As the shield protects us physically from the assaults of the enemy, our faith protects us spiritually from the assaults of the evil one, deflecting those fiery arrows, the arrows of fear and of doubt and of worry and of you aren't worth it and all those lies that come into our heads. It's our faith that it's our faith in God's promises, God's protection, and God's provision. It's our faith that protects us like a shield from the attacks of the devil. We're reminded of a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. They were given a choice of worshiping a golden statue or being thrown into a fiery furnace. And here's their response. Mm. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Wow. <laughs> you talk about a statement of faith, amen? Yeah. That's a statement of faith. That's the kind of faith that protects against the flaming arrows of lies and deceit that Satan shoots constantly at us. And so now we're finishing up um, the different articles that make up the armor by um, taking the helmet of salvation, Paul says. Take the helmet of salvation. He also talks about the sword, which we'll talk about in just a moment. The helmet, of course, allows protection um, for the soldier, the head, the eyes, the brain, attacks that could likely end in death. And likewise, here's the thing. Salvation protects us from spiritual death from eternal separation from God, from spending eternity apart from God. Jesus offers you, offers me, this helmet of salvation through his death and resurrection, giving his life, his life to pay the price for our sin, overcoming the grave and living through eternity. And so when we die, we really die. It's, we live. We're here on earth and in heaven for all of eternity. And Jesus allows us to wear this helmet of salvation by merely believing in him, accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, opening our hands and say, okay, I'm not sure what that life is all about. I don't really know how to do this. But in faith... I accept the relationship 
that you offer. I accept the gift of love. That's what it is, the gift of love that only Jesus, the kind of love that only Jesus can bring. Then the second half of verse 17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. (laughs) Back when I was in junior high school, I was seventh, eighth grade, uh, going to youth group, we used to have something called sword drills. Anybody have have some sword drills? Where you sit there with your Bible on your lap and the the leader would say, 1 Corinthians 5, 17. You had to find it, you know. The, The whole purpose is for us to get familiar with finding things in the Bible. I used to wonder, why do they call that the sword drill? Well, it's because the sword is the Bible. That's our sword. Protecting us from the onslaught of Satan. Allowing us to attack his lies and deceptions with God's holy word. You know, the soldier had other weapons other than sword. When I'm looking up pictures of the Roman soldier, they had spears and they had other things. But the sword was primary. Just as the Bible is our primary weapon in our ongoing cosmic battle, this ongoing spiritual war with the evil one. And so Paul concludes with some words where he's asking for some help and um, continues to share more about how to be protected against evil. He says, Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. And so Paul closes this section out in Ephesians. Um, He's asking for the prayers of the people the prayers of the church, and he also says, pray in the spirit of God, in harmony with God's desires. Pray at a depth even beyond the ability of our human words, allowing the Holy Spirit to pray and express our needs on our behalf. He says to persevere by praying on behalf of the saints. Pray on behalf of Paul. God's mouthpiece, literally in chains, he's asking, pray so that he may speak with boldness the message from God. How powerful that is. And we would ask you, Connection Church, to do the same for us, that we may hear from God clearly and that we may proclaim the message and lead boldly as God calls us together as Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers. Mm. And so as we said at the beginning this morning, this is war, all our war. And even though Satan oftentimes is subtle, oftentimes Satan oftentimes is very sly and very slick and very covert, 
Oftentimes it's not in your face, but sneaking up behind you. Make no mistake about it, we are in the battle of our lives. Not a battle against other people. Not a battle against flesh and blood. It's a cosmic battle against the spiritual forces of evil. You know, some people think, oh yeah, evil is just a concept. No, evil is a person. The devil. We read of it in Scripture. It's not just a a vague idea. It's a fallen angel who wanted to be more powerful than God, which will never happen. He fell and wants to take us with him. Present darkness. See, this is his kingdom. He's the prince of darkness. And so we've got this cosmic war against Satan himself and his minions, his demons. Those, that's our struggle. That's who our struggle is against, says Paul. And Satan loves it when we don't take it seriously. When we don't recognize just how truly powerful Satan is, then we don't recognize it's truly a war when we think we can handle this thing on our own. Ah, I can take that. Let me tell you, this thing is way too big, way too challenging. He's way too strong for any of us to handle on our own. It's cosmic in proportion. We need big-time help. We need God-sized help. And, you know, the thing is, we got it. We've got God-sized help because we've got, uh, hello, God. God's given us the protection we need. He's given us the armor for this battle that we're talking about this morning. The question is, though, are you going to use the armor he's given you? These pictures of the guys in the army, they've always got their stuff on, don't they, when they're out in the battlefield. Why? Because they'd be stupid not to. Oh, I left my armor at home. How dumb does that sound? Well, every day we wake up and, get, and go back in the world, we're in the battlefield. Now the question is, are you wearing your armor? Have you taken the time to kind of put it on piece by piece? The belt of truth, have you read your scripture? The, the, the breastplate, of right, a breastplate of righteousness. You know, the helmet of salvation, the sword, the bar. Have you taken your time to piece by piece by piece put on that armor that you've been given? Because if you don't, that armor is of no value. And we'd have to say, why did God even bother to give it to us if we're not going to wear it, if we don't put it on? So are you willing to put on the full armor of God? Are you willing to go into this battle fully clothed with what God has given you for your protection for your life, for your eternity with God? Are you going to war with everything God's given you? Are you shoring up? If we are, that's the good news, isn't it? 
That's the good news. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for the armor. Thank you for truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to be righteous. We seek your strength. We seek that you be with us in this battle. Please help us to look to you each day, all day. Because we can't do this on our own, Lord. We thank you, Christ, for dying for us so that we would live not just now but through eternity with you. Holy Spirit, give us the strength we need. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray in all connection. Church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus in the life.